Welcome to another episode of Connect and Move Radio. Today, I'm your host, Tim Langer, and today's guest is Andy Fortuna. Andy is a licensed athletic trainer and movements and strength coach. Andy understands that the human body is a special organism composed of many systems working together for optimal balance and harmony. For, his reason, uh, for this reason, he combines a holistic approach that integrates both mind and body health to facilitate natural healing in each session. In 2014, he graduated from the University of Texas Pan American with a Bachelor's of Science in kinesiology, specializing in athletic training. At UTPA, Andy participated as a Division I outfielder and gained the experience of assisting the recovery of countless collegiate athletes from athletic injuries. In 2015, Andy founded MyoRenew after becoming a licensed massage therapist, combining kinesiology and manual therapy into an interactive therapy experience treating human movement, dysfunction, and pain. As of May 2018, he completed his Master's of Science in Athletic Training and integrates sports medicine and injury reconditioning into his practice. He is currently in pursuit of a degree in acupuncture and traditional Chinese medicine. Other than finding new ways to move and enjoy the outdoors, Andy enjoys hanging out and watching quality movies with his wife, Anna. Andy, welcome to your own show. Hey, hey, Tim. Thank you very much. You know, I, I don't think I've ever had anybody read that bio other than me. So that's kind of that's kind of cool. Yeah, Thank you very much. I read it twice, but I still st stumbled across a few words here. So I definitely should have practiced a little bit more. But no, I think I think you did perfect. Um, yeah. And and to the listeners, welcome. True. Welcome to the listeners as well, of course. Yeah, and I think we, we talked a few weeks back and said, like, why don't we record an episode, just the two of us, and talking about the, the current experience and your current ex experience with the COVID-19 and, and how does that affect your business as your business is, um, yeah, a very physical business, let's say, and then typically mm -hmm. you see your clients um in person every day so but before going there maybe yes i, I read your bio but bio but maybe take us a little bit back into how did you and how come that you founded my my renew in the first place yeah so funny enough um going through high school uh my original idea was to become a professional baseball player right i had a cousin that played baseball actually made it all the way to the big leagues for a little bit um and essentially i mean i was groomed to do just that and actually they really did really well to high school college not as well but um anyways in high school i really didn't know what i want to do until i got hurt my junior year um i actually had a, a l4 stress fracture that you know sat me down for the whole junior year um came back my senior year, thankfully did well but in that time my junior year where i got hurt i started to actually had to do physical therapy to get better um, even though we had an athletic trainer at the, at the high school, um, once I started doing physical therapy, that's when I really got into the realm of uh, rehab, sports medicine. Because uh, other than that, I mean, you really don't go into the athletic training room in the high school unless you are either getting your, in baseball, getting your wrist taped or getting ice or, or just talking crap. There really wasn't anything else. But 
Uh, but once I got hurt and I really needed to use that that aspect of it, I was like, hmm, I can do this, right? It's it's really for the active population. Uh, even though where I was going, there was a lot of old people. Um, but I saw the the benefit, right, and, and the substantial impact that it had on me um, to help me get back and play the next year. So I said, hey, you know, if baseball doesn't work out, uh, I'll do this physical therapy thing. So even though my plan A was baseball, um, I knew I was going to go to college, so I was going to study to do uh, physical therapy. Fast forward uh, two years. Um, I say two years because halfway through my college, I was like, you know what? I really don't want to take all, all these classes. So I ended up switching into athletic training. Uh, at the college that I was in, they didn't really have a particular athletic training program. They had an, what was called an internship. I don't think they have those anymore. So I, as a student athlete, I was playing uh, baseball for the, for obviously for the collegiate team, but also on my downtime, air quotes, downtime, uh, I was a student athletic trainer. So I was in the athletic, uh, training room uh, or athletic training room uh, working with athletes, working with the basketball team, working with the track team, helping them rehab, helping them uh, recover. Uh, so I got more involved. Um, and then later in my collegiate career, once I realized that I didn't really want to do baseball afterwards, uh, I really uh, set my sights on, all right, what do I do after that? So, and that's when I started looking into massage therapy because I knew I wanted to go into a graduate school for either PT or athletic training. Um, I ended up, after I finished graduating, I ended up doing massage therapy first just to kind of get my feet wet in the industry and to have a license to get to work. Um, and then, funny enough, as soon as I graduated massage school, I was like, well... I guess I need to get paid for this. So I guess I need to build a company. And within like two weeks, I was like, okay, I want a meaningful name. Um, funny enough, the name Myronu came from, you know, it's a big ins uh, inspiration from Mild Detox, a Toronto-based company. Yes. So I was like, hmm, I really like what they have to offer, but I don't like, obviously I don't want to have the same name. So I came up with Myo Renew after many, many, many uh, changes. Um, I was like, well, maybe I can use something else besides Mayo um, and all the words that I started coming up with the best that I could come up with with Mayo Renew. And that's how Mayo Renew kind of started. And then flashback, what are we, 2020? Now it's been about five years in business um, with a lot of evolution within my practice and how I wanted to work with people. Uh, currently, we work with uh, active individuals. Uh, working more performance-based, not just in the physical aspect, but also in the mental aspect, um, helping people create better routines, habits, um, helping people strategize uh, how to really navigate stressful and um, tough situations. So uh, my practice has grown from just the soft tissue part to movement part to the rehab to the sports medicine um, to the kind of the... Again, the mental approach, the habit building, the strategic planning, kind of consulting. And uh, soon now, within the next year and a half, it'll be traditional Chinese medicine. So I think um, I've the idea I've always wanted to do, even from the very beginning, is to be able to help the whole person. Not just the soft tissue, not just the exercise, but the whole person. Something that I would have wanted. Um, and yeah, 2020, here we are. Uh, May 3rd, I believe it is. Yep. Oh, May 2nd. Where uh, we record, yes. <laughs> May, May 2nd. Here we are. So, yeah, I guess that's the, in a nutshell, how I got to where I'm at here. Yeah, very interesting. And I mean, I knew 
most of it personally, as I'm also a client of you. But what I found interesting, you said that um, you were at the point when you came, finished school, and you said, I guess I have to start my own business. So <laughs> unnecessarily... I mean, the, the, I, I could also, you could also have looked for another company to work for. So do you, oh, yeah. did you, do you have that, did have that spirit of creating your own business already in you? Did it show at earlier days or was it, I mean, there was no question in your mind that you need to, from the right, from the start out of school, you need to create your own business. I did not even think about any of that. All I was thinking about is being able to do this therapy thing. Uh, the business happened after I graduated. Uh, like I said, within like a two or three week window, I said, whoa, I guess I have to kind of do all this paperwork. Um, no, my mindset and it's still currently, I mean, I tell people I'm not really a businessman. I just happen to be a practitioner who needs to have a business to do what he wants to do. But um, to answer your question, um, it really goes back to my experiences, right? I mean, to do PT school, uh, even though I didn't go to PT school, but in order to kind of do the prerequisites was to do shadow hours. And within those shadow hours, I saw things that I didn't really like, right? Like the traditional mill, like you, you uh, work with patients, like two or three or four patients. And, uh, you know, the, the therapist constantly looking at the clock, uh, you know, they get really, you know, cookie cutter approach. And then even in, you know, in that training, athletic training aspect uh, where I was in, you were working with like a 40 to 50 guys at one time or girls. Um, you're really not giving this one-on-one uh, -on -one attention for the most part. You do have occasions that you do. Um, it was just a high-wounded uh, environment where you were expected, you were, you had high expectations and low pay. So the quality of, uh, at least from what I experienced, was really low in the lifestyle. I just didn't want that. So I knew what I didn't want. I didn't want to be overwhelmed with something that I enjoyed that would suck the life out of it. Uh, that happened with me with baseball, which is why I didn't go that route. So I didn't want that happen, happening to me. So I knew that. And then I knew I wanted to have this interactive experience. So with the two experiences that I, multiple experience, I, I've shadowed OTs, I shadowed uh, physical therapists, multiple. I obviously did athletic training. I've, I, I was always an athlete, so I saw that aspect. So I knew what I didn't want. I didn't know what I wanted. I, it, my vision wasn't clear. I, 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 I tell the story to many people. My, my, my vision wasn't clear really till about last year. And even then, it's still kind of, I give the, the, the I guess it's an analogy, where you're looking through a kind of foggy glass. Like you can see through it, but it's not super clear. At this point, five years in, it's getting more clear, but I, I feel like there's still more refinement to do. I think there will always be some refinement to do in the model that I have in the practice that I've, I've created. But um, yeah, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't want to work for someone mm -hmm. um, because I feel the, the experiences that I had didn't fulfill what I was trying to do. So I, I said, you know what, maybe I can, you know, in, in the light of Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee would say, uh, don't be one thing, be all things, you know, try to try to mix everything into one. Um, so, or, or, you know, really define yourself and try to get the best things of each part and make it into your own principle. So I, I took that aspect, um, into my renew. And I guess I really, I never had the intention of working for somebody else. Um, it was more, and I still think of it more as like an experiment for myself. 
you know, how can I continue learning and then fine tune that so that when I work with somebody, I can bring all those principles, explain it to them, educate them, and then obviously provide a solution and help them. So I guess to answer your question, no, I wasn't really looking into doing a business. And at the same side, I wasn't looking to work with or work with a company. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just kind of doing my own thing. And I, and I feel like that's what I've been doing the last five years. <laughs> yeah, and definitely, I mean, I've seen I've seen now maybe the last what is it two years or so definitely mm-hmm. see even that development that growth so which is very interesting even from a client perspective and why Miami because you grew up here or was that a conscious decision that Miami is a good place for this type of business or other other considerations there uh, family is here this is home uh, so I I really again I didn't really think about again I didn't have a business plan I didn't have projections or marketing strategies. Um, I just went into gyms and kind of opened up my table and hope people would want to work with me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there wasn't really a strategy. Uh, like I said, home was here after being away uh, in Texas, South Texas for college for so long. I knew I wanted to come back. And yeah, so I planted roots here. Yeah, fully understandable. Um, so yeah, now, as you said, 2020 and I mean, your business is uh, very much face-to-face with a lot of physical aspects and then COVID-19 happens or happened and but it didn't happen overnight right so it's not like it started from day from a certain day and then everything switched so it's not like a it didn't came like a hurricane or tornado so do you remember let's say in the beginning stages when you when did you realize that it will not just have an impact on your personal life potentially but also on your business life do you remember that specific moment uh, i want to say it was it was within the first week uh obviously i got the most amount of uh cancellations i've ever had actually the week before i, I like the week before i had a couple cancellations say hey i kind of want to i don't know what's going to happen but i've heard a few things so i'm just gonna you know uh, obviously this is patients telling me uh, i'm just gonna kind of keep it safe and uh we'll reschedule when all this is over I said, okay, I just kind of kept working with a couple of patients. And then the following week, um, I had like 10 to 12 cancellations. I'm like, what the heck? Uh, and then, you know, my, oh, my wife and I started really taking it serious then. And it was like, man, maybe this thing is much more than we think it is, right? But, you know, and then we started being more conscious of the fact that maybe, uh, We weren't necessarily going to be affected by the virus itself, but by the um, outpour, the surrounding effects of obviously businesses and the quarantine. So um, I want to say about the second, the first week, it was the first wave. And then second week, once I had all the cancellations, um, it it made me really take a look at, okay, maybe this is going to really be a big big effect and big uh, challenge here. So I want to say about the second week. Okay, and when you say second week, that was early March or something like that, right? Yeah, it's got to be mid-March, yeah, mid-March, I think. Yeah, I, I looked it up before this because I also couldn't remember when I actually realized it. And I, I found that just looking back at dates, so that I, I, for me it was like March 11th. Mm-hmm. I was here at home and uh, watching TV and was watching basketball. And then these there were these two basketball games um, which were canceled on the spot because of one of the players of the Utah Jazz got tested positive and then the game was canceled even though the whole stadium or the arena was filled. And I think yeah. that's where it hit hit for me. And I think that weekend before I, I saw you still in person 
and then yeah. the next weekend we basically started working working online was it mm -hmm. so for you i mean was it a easy or was it difficult decision to to completely close your physical business um it was easy in the sense that i had no uh in the sense of uh to me money is not you know for me to stay open just to make a you know see a few patients just to kind of sneak in a few more uh a little more income wasn't always wasn't an option for me i said if i had to close i had to close um i just wanted to make sure that it was like a serious thing and it, obviously it was especially after they uh they had the the closure of all the gyms and obviously my new is located with inside well beef it at the time um so what was the question i forgot <laughs> Uh, whether it was difficult or easy to, to make the decision to close physically. Um, no, I mean, it was, for the most part, it was fairly easy to make that decision once. And to be honest, the decision was made for us uh, once the gym had the closures. Mm -hmm. But we already we were already making um, steps to, to go ahead and, and do that, especially most of our patients were already canceling anyway. So we weren't our client load and client base, uh, patient base was already low already. So I, I want to say the decision was made for us. Okay. And uh, I mean, for me, as being also one of your clients, I mean, for me personally, the switch seemed, let's say, very seamless. One mm -hmm. Saturday, you and me typically meet on Saturday. So one Saturday, I was at the gym on, the, on your table and, and then <laughs> working with you. The next Saturday, we were already working online. But I can imagine yeah. for you that, I mean, that week or even the, the week's were quite challenging in terms of, of yeah making making that switch from from a physical business to, to an online business maybe if you can take us a little bit through that process and what what happened behind the scenes yeah i think for a lot of people when they go into an online business is uh, or online uh yeah i guess online business online back end is the systems um the good thing is at Myron, you, um the way we work is We usually see patients about once a week, and then the majority or the time between that week, but the time between those two or the between sessions, we already have remote programs for patients to be doing anyways, at least two uh, and even sometimes three times a week mm -hmm. uh, to be doing at home. So we already had those processes and systems in place, kind of like uh, online training programs and online uh, um, uh, integrations for applications for patients to use. So our patients are fairly used to that. Um, as far as the exercise prescription and the performance programming aspect of it. Um, so that part was easy. The hard part was um, getting patients to understand the value of not seeing me face-to-face, um, -face, but then now going completely virtual or completely online. Um, so, and to be honest with you, I think I've been prepping for, prepping for this for a long time because even my coaching methods and, and uh, uh, when I work with movement and just overall programming, I'm a lot of times I'm hands off um, other than obviously the manual therapy aspect of it. But to me, the manual therapy aspect is probably, I want to say about 20% of what we really do. Mm -hmm. um, 80% is obviously the coaching, um, the stre uh, strategy, the solutions, the routines, the habits, all those things, which again, ha requires no hands on, uh, you know, it just requires just some time to talk. <laughs> And then again, coaching movement. Um, 
So thankfully, I've also been used to teaching the Qigong classes, the mobility meditation classes, um, and workshops. So I've been used to teaching and using words to describe uh, not only movement patterns and what my thought process is. So that aspect was easy. But like I said, the hardest part was getting patients to see the value of not seeing me in person and then uh, just following a program and then doing like virtual check-ins. Um, so for the most part, people that were looking for more of the recovery aspect, which is like the myofascial release and the hands-on manual therapy, they obviously wanted to hold off uh, for those. But for the people that had like an injury that I was working with or uh, a movement program, a performance program, something like, like that you followed him, um, that was a little easier. I mean, it's a learning curve for both ends um, because even then when I'm making corrections or trying to cue somebody, it's kind of like... There's nothing there tactical to give you, but uh, I think through practice and through um, communication, it improves. So not only for me, but also for the patient on the other end, for them to understand, making sure that Wi-Fi is connected, making sure that they can use Zoom if is what we were using at the time. Um, so I think the learning curve, both on both the patient end and my end, uh, was obviously I think a little bit more skewed towards the patient because they never used that before. Mm -hmm. uh, but like I said, thankfully, our system, our process, and our back end already was had, I want to say, about like uh, maybe about 40% of it online or, or remote, 60% um, of it because most of our sessions are, are in person. So just switching that, just making sure that our integrations were in there and that obviously that I was proficient in Zoom and communication, emails and all that stuff, then... Uh, so I would say, yeah, I mean, I don't think it was difficult. I think it was more difficult, again, getting patients who were used to being one-on-one -on -one or in person to online. And then once that, once, usually after the first online session, um, the patient feels super comfortable. Um, I know more or less already how to kind of communicate, communicate with that person. And then, like I said, most of the people I was working with already understood the remote programs um, and kind of like my way of uh teaching them and working. So I think that was pretty seamless. So I, I, I think, um, fortunately enough, we already have that background. So yeah, I think it was pretty smooth. For, for other practitioners, yeah, it, it was, it was, I mean, I, I, for me, it was, I was like, wow. I, I, and I, I mean, I, I think I saw the value right away, even be, not even really thinking about that, but I can imagine for also for other practitioners thinking about that, how to switch if they haven't switched or let's say for future events and how to get that value proposition to clearly communicate it to your customers, right? So that you are able to, uh, let's say, fully charge the, the regular price instead of have to think about giving, let's say, maybe a discounted version. Mm -hmm. of it. So any, any recommendations for other practitioners in that direction? Um, I think first and foremost, um, I think you have to be very confident with the way you teach because no matter what type of practitioner you are, you're really more of a teacher than anything else. Now, uh, the more you are comfortable with teaching, I think is the first part. I think the second part from there is systems, meaning um, do you have, do you understand how to work emails? Do you understand how to work um, CRMs or patient management or client management, right? So the fact that you can obviously have a schedule and all that stuff and people can move that around but also what interface or inter integrations are you working with are you working with zoom are you working through a program that has video um so that's that also do you understand programming right do you understand how to create a program and are you efficient enough to 
create a program uh, obviously to the goals of the person. And then the second one or the third one would be being very profi uh, proficient in what your movement um, general assessment is. Mm -hmm. So because now because you don't have the person in front of you, you have to come up with not a super extensive, confusing assessment, um, even if it's not an initial, right? Usually every session is, starts with somewhat assessment, like how you're doing, what's your range of motion, or what's your discomfort, or, you know, if you're working on, like, habits or anything else, like, hey, what's worked, what hasn't worked, so that communication comes up again. But your systems of uh, treatment or programming also plays a part because now you have to condense it and make it easier for that person to, to understand because you're not going to be there to have that hands-on explanation or write, I mean, even though Zoom has like the whiteboard and you could always like use a whiteboard to explain a little bit more, but a big part of what I had to do was condense my assessment, condense my approach, make it easier. Maybe I wasn't getting all the information I wanted, but I got all the information I needed. So the movement, the quality, uh, lifestyle questions, so, uh, and also time frame too. So you don't want to spend... Yeah, a very, very funny uh, realization when I started doing more virtual stuff is I spent less, there was less time wasted, I felt, via virtual because um, I guess it's more like straight to the point. I think when it's more an in-person thing, you kind of like lallygag on other questions. For whatever reason, virtual sessions are more straight to the point, like it's... Uh, I don't know, I guess because it's so in your face. I don't honestly, I, I can't explain why that is. But most of the time where I spend more time talking with the person um, outside of what's relevant to the session during virtual session, that doesn't seem to be the case. Um, so I, like I said, the first one is be comfortable with teaching. The second one is have systems in place. And what I mean by that is um, online applications that you need, emails for communication, all those um, the third one being being proficient with your online programming or just programming in general, being able to prescribe exercises um, based off what you're looking at and what you're dealing with. And then um, so teaching systems, online program, um, making your, your actual treatment system more proficient. So instead of having a 45 minute assessment, you know, making like a 10, 15 minute or even less, um, checkup routine, like, Hey, you know, upper body, lower body, whatever it is, you know, um, to, to, because again, if it's too robust, the patient on the other end, um, or client is not going to have an understanding of what you're asking of them. So if you make it easier and maybe you're not getting a hundred percent of the information you're looking for, um, at that particular assessment, but you're going to get a lot of the, what's needed and what's necessary. So I think that's also important. Yeah. And uh, it sounds like, I mean, of course you're working and are able to retain a lot of your existing clients, but mm -hmm. is it, I mean, are you able or were you able to kind of get also new clients on board? Because you're talking about these assessments, which I oh, yeah. it's mostly about all, not just for new clients, but also for existing clients, but mostly targeted at new clients. So is it, is it completely more challenging or do you still are able to here and there get new clients during this period of time of the crisis? Funny, funny enough, um, I mean, new client or new patient is relative, right? But because what I mean by that is this can be a patient that I hadn't seen in six months and now sure. 
it's a new issue. So I did get two new technically, mm-hmm. uh, which I had seen prior, but uh, in the sense that they were new now because I hadn't seen them in a while. So I did get two new ones, and that's where I really had to test my assessment, which I did come up with some type of uh, simple PDF form so they can go through, and then by the time I get the, into an assessment, um, I have a better understanding of what they're dealing with. And without having to spend 30, 20 minutes of the actual assessment or the, the session uh, explaining to them to go through movements. But anyways, the hard part with new patients when you're talking about online is the marketing aspect because a lot of our marketing has to do with workshops and stuff like that and, and word of mouth. So in-person becomes a lot easier, uh, especially when you're having that interaction. But with online programming, is it's a little different of a ball game because the marketing now becomes almost fairly, most of all, virtual. Uh, unless you're doing more referral base as well, which is a good component of how we uh, work as well. So, yeah, I was able to get new patients, air quotes, new patients, uh, patients I worked with before, but yeah. you know, new new uh, new cases or new cases with with uh, the new patients, um, but not any new new patients. And what I realized was, uh, for me, anyways. Uh, after five years, I don't want to work with just anyone. So my screening of um, the actual person who I'm working with is also important. So I go through what I call a um, consult or a, fo- a phone consultation where I talk to them and, and see to make sure that they are a right fit, more so that I am a right fit for them and that they are a right fit for how I work. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big believer that not every teacher is, uh, or not every, yeah, not every teacher is correct for every student and the same thing for a practitioner so uh in that conversation it helps me uh really really identify if i'm the right person to help them and if the way i practice is the way for uh right way to address some of the issues that they're working or or looking to address um so i did have a few phone consultations um and and now again obviously this being more of a new uh, territory for me. I wanted to be a little bit more conservative on who I was working with, so I didn't really accept everyone. Okay. Um, so yeah, that was my, uh, I guess you can say, marketing or uh, new patient acquisition as far as with this online uh, platform. Interesting. And yes, I would have many more questions there, but I just coming back quickly or for a second to to the technical aspect of now doing it online. I know you're using Zoom. Any mm-hmm. learnings along the way did you find to you had to upgrade your equipment and what are you actually using? Any any advice for anyone who wants to jump into that online? Um, actually, Zoom has done such a fantastic job. I think it's I don't know if it's you want to call it luck or opportunity for them. Um, now everybody knows who Zoom is, but yeah. um, Zoom as long as far as for me, I know I had used other my. Other, I was using PT Everywhere, which also has like a video format. I just didn't like how it was, uh, like the interface of it. So I use Zoom more. Um, really, Zoom is pretty much straightforward. I use a basic, you know, laptop screen, computer, webcam. Um, really, I didn't really use much more than, than that. Obviously, if I had a good Wi-Fi signal, I was fine and enough room to move. Um, that's really simply all you need. And then... And depending on what you're giving that patient to do or client to do, bands, dumbbells, kettlebells, whatever. For me, it was uh, I would make the programs fairly simple, something because uh, not everybody has all this equipment at home. So uh, some bands, uh, maybe a mini loop, uh, and a lot of bodyweight exercises that you can do a lot with. Um, 
So, I mean, I guess as far as recommendations, one would be definitely a space to work that is not noisy. Uh, you know, in Miami, you have a lot of uh, big families living in small houses. Uh, for us, it's uh, four or five of us. So I had to make sure that whenever I schedule an appointment, um, I again, this is being in quarantine, but this we're not going to be in quarantine forever, but uh, <laughs> more specific to COVID-19, making sure that you are scheduling sessions within uh, an appropriate time, meaning you're not going to be uh, bombarded by noise and whatnot. But in general practice, you want to make sure that you have enough room, that you have a good Wi-Fi, um, and that you have everything, the essentials of what you need, and making sure that not only what you need, but also what the, uh, the patient or the client has and is, uh, has the ability to use. So it doesn't matter what you have on your end. Um, it matters what they can have or what they can use on their end. So if all they have is their, is, is their body, then you're going to create a program based off of that. And if they are lucky enough to have more equipment, then, you know, you can be a little more creative. Um, so yeah, computer, good Wi-Fi, some space, uh, make sure you're scheduling appropriately. Um, uh, something I also realize is um, time, because just because you're on virtual doesn't mean you know time is infinite. So you still have you know for us it's hourly base or half hour sessions. Um, even though for a lot of my sessions I tend to go about ten to fifteen minutes over, so I always um, or at least I try to account for that. So when I book appointments, um, what else? Um, and sometimes it has to do with what the patient, uh, like the computer, camera, and their Wi-Fi signal. Sometimes there's things out of your control as a practitioner. Yeah. Um, so that also plays a part. So maybe the first session, you make you know make it clear that they're gonna need a good Wi-Fi. Uh, make sure that their computers um, uh, has the requirements that it needs. That it's not a super old computer with a very cloudy camera, because then you can't see them. Uh, some of the things I learned, like I said, it was timing, was um, some of the different features that Zoom has that I can actually connect my DSLR or my like professional camera to it. Um, but that I, re I really didn't do for my um, for my one-on-ones. I did that for the mobility meditation classes, which I feel like it worked a lot better. Um, what else as far as online? Um, my, very important anything you would like to add let's say is there any equipment you have seen maybe but you haven't purchased yet or you because maybe i mean because maybe of price or anything or is that like you think that setup you have is in that sense more than i mean it's it's almost optimal yeah i mean the only thing i would add is a wireless mic that you can get fairly cheap maybe 20 30 bucks on on amazon okay. uh, like a lavalier i mean i have a pretty expensive one i had the road mic one um which allows me to when i move around and i'm showing people exercises as i move away from the computer and i'm going through these movements you can still hear me pretty clearly yeah. so i think that's the only thing that i i started playing around with a little bit more uh, but other than that i mean all you really need is a computer um uh, take notes make sure you, <laughs> that again that that's something i got really good at is taking notes and just taking the the key concepts of, of that session um because again you don't have that person in front of you to to uh, to work with so it's a little harder so you have to really have for at least for me I have to really make more notes um, yeah but I, I would say that's it as far as the equipment computer Wi-Fi room uh, a notepad a pen and then I mean if you really want to get fancy uh, a wireless mic okay no that's that's a good point um, also I mean you mentioned that already that 
let's say, and, and I also notice that as, as a client, that you're really good in giving instructions in terms of movements. And sometimes these movements are very subtle, right? So it's like really, I mean, I, sometimes I feel like being on the other side of the camera. So how do you even see that? <laughs> so so, so I, my, my question is really like, so how did you, how did you learn that? And how, if someone needs to improve that, Well, is it something you can recommend how to get better in that? Because I imagine, or in other words, is that a, let's say a natural gift you have, or is it something you picked up on, on the way and, and got really good at? 100% that's time and experience. 100% I was never that good. I mean, I was very intuitive with the body, especially a lot of stuff that I'm having people do. I'm, I have done before. Mm -hmm. So I know, okay, I know uh, what's usually difficult with this movement or this position or this Uh, situation or whatever it is. Um, so that's one thing. I actually go through those movements for the most part. Um, obviously, because I'm creating them and having them do it. I usually don't have anybody do something that I haven't done. Um, for the, I mean, there's on the rare occasion I do, but for the most part, that's not necessarily the case. So that's the first part. I actually have, I'm a practitioner first, right? So I, um, or student first, should I say, where I'm actually going through those movements and I've been there. So that's for second one is um, through experience. I know what people have had hard times with. I know what usually the compensations are with certain movements and positions. Um, and I know what the general, um, what's the word? General, I don't want to say limitations, but uh, habits of the, of the person are. For example, uh, when it comes to, um, you know, very strenuous things like a push-up or a squat or maybe more complex movement. People tend to hold their breath um, or, anti or anterior pelvic tilt when it comes to certain movements and making sure how to look for that. Obviously, I'm really looking at the camera, but a lot of times I know already. Um, and a lot of times, too, it comes from the conversation I'm having with somebody. So mm -hmm. somebody's way of... You know, if somebody's really intuitive, like as far as like really intuitive with their body, I know they're going to be more aware of certain things. So I don't have to be too much on top of them. Somebody that has more experience with movement, I know that they're going to have a better idea of what I'm talking about. So I don't have to coach them as much. And then the uh, other one is understanding the movement. So understanding the person, understanding their experience and understanding the movement, I think is plays a big part of how I coach and my transition to online and being able to cue somebody. And then the other one is... Um, Again, being that most of the people that I'm working with virtually right now are patients that I were already working with, is this hands-free coaching that I, I, that I was talking about. And this is something that I've been working on for the last three years, I want to say. Because what I realize is what I'm really teaching people is how to be sustainable. And what that means is to be able to perform at their highest level without extra help without the, the, the necessity of having to check with me if they're doing something correctly, without the necessity of uh, feeling safe because I'm there. Like most of the time when people are working with me, and I'm sure you can attest to this, Tim, is I'm almost like on the other side of the room or at least about 10 feet away because I want you to feel like you are on your own and yeah. I'm, just there, I'm just there for some guidance. Um, obviously, there's some parts in the program, certain parts of the um, – I guess, initial sessions where I'm there coaching you and it's more hands-on. But usually, the more you work with me, the less I'm around you because I want you to feel like you are in tune, that you are connected, that you can trust yourself. And if you need to mis make mistakes, you make those mistakes because that's usually where we're going to learn the most out of. So 
Um, like I mentioned, understanding who you're working with, understanding their level of experience with movement and maybe athleticism and programming, and then understanding um, how to teach that to them. And, under, uh, and then the last part is making sure that you are creating more sustainability more than this dependence. Uh, so I think all those factors that helped me really transition to this online uh, uh, format, um, which I think is what made you know it so much easier and not really much of a friction, uh, you know, from one week to another when we were working. Yeah, that totally makes sense, and uh, clearly I can attest to that. So I mean, yes, you might start closer to the body and also let's say physically. I mean, in person. Yeah. touch the body to, to correct it. But yes, then over time, you, you're stepping further and further away from that. So no, I was just wondering how, how that, that works for you. So, I mean, almost last question here before we might move into the, the rapid fire question here. But so hopefully at some point in the near future, I mean, we're in the beginning of May, so but that we are, you are able and we are able to return maybe not to a normal, but to maybe a new normal. And, and mm -hmm. hopefully that also means that you can reopen your, your physical business so, but are, are you planning or do you have plans to kind of take that online business in some ways with you more than what you described earlier, where you said you might have, you had already some online business, but do you, do you think you're trying to, you will expand that at the same time as you are kind of working on your, let's say, physical side of the business? Yeah. And it's more optional for, for maybe for clients who, I don't know, for example, for clients who might move out of, out of Miami, right? So you... In principle, yeah. I, I, I think if I would now move, which I don't have any plans for, but <laughs> I, I, I can imagine continue working with you, right? So just yeah. on, on that sense, any, any thoughts in that direction? Yeah, this whole COVID-19 has, has really, really challenged my business model. Um, and not just my business model, my whole framework of working, my whole framework of, and I know this is not part of your question, but my whole framework of... of I'm a workaholic and I, and I, I understand, I understand that. So my whole framework of how much is too much work, how much is, uh, you know, how much am I giving to this and now giving to myself? So, um, the reason I mentioned that is because part of my reflection over this whole COVID-19 is the fact that I want, I don't want to work with as much, as many people as I'm used to working with, mm -hmm. um, and the reason I say that is, and, and now through this virtual stuff, I realized that uh, the educational aspect and the sustainability aspect of it is really what my, I really enjoy of, of, of what I do. I used to think that it was the manual therapy aspect of me being able to work hands-on with people, which is a, a, a part of it, but is the impact that I'm able to leave outside of this physical space right and and the the longevity of that of that impact right two three years forever you know um and, and again what i realized is i don't necessarily have to put my hands on people in order to make a difference before i would say uh before covid19 i would have said heck no i won't do online business uh, you know or online training or online uh consultations or, what, or whatnot and being on social media i would get a lot of requests hey do you do this hey do you do that and I wasn't confident. I wasn't confident in my ability to help somebody without being, them being in front of me. So being thrown into the fire with, with uh, this new way of business has helped me to be more confident, to be able to build, like I mentioned, 
the systems, the communication, the programming in order to truly help someone without having to be physically present. So to answer your question, absolutely, this is going to be, uh, I wouldn't say a big part, but it is going to be a part of, of my renew uh, within the future. And like you mentioned, it could be where I work in person for with a, uh, with a person. I work in person with someone uh, for a certain part of time and then maybe branch off to doing more remote, remote stuff, whether uh, it's something that they go out of town or actually move, like you mentioned, which I've had a uh, few patients do that. Um, so that'll definitely be a part of it, but I think the next step to that, it has been more, more of a realization to how I really want to continue practicing moving forward. Uh, and I started this, or this, this, the answer to this question by saying that I want to work less, but more. And what I mean by that, I want to work with less people, but give them more. And what I realize is I, I give a lot to each session. I give a lot to each person, not just within the session, but afterwards. I, I The session may stop after the hour, but my thought process, my creativity on how to work, help and work with that person continues until I see them again. Um, and what I realize is that I used to carry that with me at all times. So the more people I worked with, the more my mind was running. Um, so as I noticed, obviously my patient load reduced um, which meant I was able to really focus on the people that I was working with, right? At sometimes it was three a week, uh, sometimes it was two a week. And now as, as we start to become, uh, as the, the exposure or the, I don't know what the right word is, but as the situation starts to become, uh, better, right? As we start to be more, kind of go back to what our regular lives are, even though still taking precautions. And as I start to work with more people, I realize that, um, yeah, that I don't want to work with as many people, right? I don't want to work with 30, 40 people a week, right? Maybe even down to 15, to 15, 16 people, or even less sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but to be able to give, you know, give every session that I, I, I work with that much more and to really dive into programming a little bit more. Um, so, yeah, so that's a big realization. Yes, online programming is going to be a big part of my new, um, actually even switching over to more um, consulting kind of not just like rehab performance, but more like mental, physical performance. Um you know, currently I'm working on what turned into an experiment on my own is a project that I'm I'm working on right now with a group of uh, current patients where we're working on the mental aspects as far as meditation, uh, mindfulness, working on habits, working on creating a better strategy so that your day to day is more fulfilled uh, rather than just uh, busy. There's a difference between being busy and being uh, productive. Uh, and what I realized, and not only in my own case, right, I was, I was super busy as a business owner, as a, as a student, as, as, as I'm, like Jim mentioned, Jim, as Tim mentioned uh, earlier in the bio, um, I'm still studying acupuncture. I'll be done within the next year. Um, so I've been battling certain things other than just a business. So constantly busy, but not really productive. So a problem that I had to solve, I started to realize that it's a common problem among my patients and those that I work with. 
So creating better habits, creating better routines, creating a routine to improve internal state of mind, internal environment, mental, reducing anxiety, reducing uh, depression, reducing uh, worry. You know, there's a lot of projects on the side that I'm currently working with with this group of patients, uh, you know, a side project that I think is going to be a big aspect of what Myron is going to be developing and helping people with. So and it's going to be pretty much online. Um, so uh, yeah, a long, a long answer to say, yes, I will be doing online and it definitely has been a big change, um, since this, uh, um, again, jump over to this virtual side of things, Tim. Yeah, no, that, that was a very interesting answer and I would have many more questions to that, but I think that's, that's actually a good topic mindset and that online side project. Maybe that's a good um, topic even for, for further conversation we can, might have have here on, on the podcast. But yeah, what mm-hmm. you just said, I mean, it, it just reminded me of a quote I by, by accident wrote, uh, read like a few days ago, which I don't know who said it, but it said, bad companies are, are destroyed by crisis, good companies survive them, great companies are improved by them. And what yeah. you're just describing is definitely sounds like you, you, you have built a great company, not just a good one. Thanks. So, yeah, just moving on. I know uh, we might also run out of time here, but um, just as we always do, asking some rapid fire questions, and I will rattle them off, and you will answer them as quickly as you can. Oh you God, ready? I'm I'm in the hot seat now. Yes, you are. I will so, do my best. Number one, would you rather never read another book or never watch another movie? To be honest, and I know these questions or answers should be short, but now. Uh, part of the project that I was talking about has uh, has a reading component. And I've been reading more, and what I realized there's a lot more than, to reading than just the information, right? Um, it's it's being able to have something substantial to to have and to hold and to have that knowledge going forward. Movies for me are big in my heart because I'm a, it's a big escape for me. But I also um, enjoy watching movies with my wife. So that's a tough question. I think. As a, in the current moment, I would I would say I will get rid of movies and do more books. I think there's a lot more learning that I have left to do within books, and it's something that I'm more interested in now. So the question though, though was never. So you will oh, never never see another movie again. Yes, never see another movie again. All right, cool. Would you rather save money or save time? Save time. Awesome. Me too. Would you rather be the star player on a losing baseball team or ride the bench on a winning one? Ride the bench, man. I, I, I was probably one of the best uh, student coaches <laughs> ever. I made a career out of that. Um, but yeah, 100%, I would be uh, riding the bench. Okay. Would you rather hear the good news first or the bad news first? Bad news. I think, uh, really, I don't think there's any... I don't think even with all this tragedy, uh, tra- tragedy that has gone in my in my life and, and the bad stuff, I don't think there's bad news. I think there's just news that you can learn from uh, and things that you can learn from. So um, with that being said, I'll go bad news. Okay. Another point I would love to, to talk more about, but maybe in another setting. So would you rather win the lottery or live twice as long? Uh, lottery, are we talking about money? Yeah. Uh, money. I'm not really a big money guy, uh, so I will go. Uh, what was the second one? What was the, what was the other option? Twice as long. Twice as long for sure. But with that being said, then you have your loved ones die all around you. But I guess so is life. So I would say live twice as long. Okay. 
Would you rather explore the space or the ocean? Ooh, you know, I'm terrified of the ocean. Um, just because of all these deep sea movies. Um, so you were terrified of the space? I, I, no, I'm not terrified of space. I think I'm more curious. Okay. So I probably will go to space. All right. Would you rather be slightly late or super early? Super early, 100%. Uh, even though sometimes I tend to run late, okay. but a funny aspect or a funny, I guess, quality of me is I like to prepare. Even for work or certain things, I like to be at least 10 to 15 minutes early to just get used to wherever I'm at. So, um, And I used to do that a lot in baseball. I used to get there super early just to kind of feel the vibe, even though I've been there plenty of times, just to kind of get mentally in it. Uh, so early is, is the answer. Awesome. It's not necessarily the always the answer in Miami, but definitely it's, it's an interesting <laughs> So. What do you believe in despite having no proof of it? Well, wow, that's a great question, Tim. What do I believe in despite having no proof in, in it? Um, that's a great question. Um, huh. See, I think for most people, this will be a religious question. I'm not very religious, although I do believe that there is an external force uh, driving us. Um, and I was raised Catholic. Um, but I think, I think this question goes beyond that. Um, I guess I believe, I believe in, in, in humanity. I think even with all of this ruckus, I think it was even at our worst, I think there's so much good in us. Um, even though sometimes that is not necessarily seen, especially with media, I think that internally and down to the root human the human being is good i think it's just certain situations that just kind of take us out of that out of that uh, state and out of our natural state of being good i think all of us have good despite uh the evidence or the i guess the uh, yeah i guess the evidence the the outstanding um history of humans doing terrible things to each other. So I guess that would be the answer. Okay. Last two. What is the most surprising self-realization you had? Say that again. What is the most surprising self-realization you had? It's the most surprising self-realization I've, I've had recently. Um, or, or sometime before, but yeah. Something where you surprised yourself. You, where you were surprised about yourself. Where... Hmm. I think this would be more an emotional thing where I feel that I am more scared than I am, uh, that I, than I project to be. I think a lot of times I'm super like happy, go lucky, which I am, but I think there's a lot of fear in me, um, that I don't think people realize. Um, and it could be fear of regret. It could be fear of failure. Um, so I think, I think that has been, and my ability to a big component of a lot of the internal work that I've been doing with myself is to let go of that fear. Um, so I think that has been that realization. Okay, cool. Top three on your bucket list. Top three, uh, things to do on my bucket list. Yeah. Past COVID. Uh, no, oh no, yeah. Not COVID re uh, related or COVID re restricted. So, so life to top threes of things you haven't done yet, but would love to do at some point. 
Okay, top three. Number one, and this is actually very funny because I'm scared of heights, is um, is uh, skydiving. And oh, the reason wow. I, yeah, the reason I say that is because I feel I work with a lot of people that have fears, and obviously I'm dealing with my own fears and working on all that stuff. Is I think once I conquer that, or at least go through that, and obviously saying that I I lived through it, <laughs> um, I think it's gonna be a big awakening for myself and a big accomplishment to to move forward. So skydiving is one of them. Number two is to visit China, China, Japan. I think between my wife and I, I think it's Japan. Uh, I've always been, I, for some reason, I feel like in my first life, uh, if there ever such is a thing, um, I was a ninja or s- some oriental culture. Um, I've always been drawn to the Chinese uh, and their culture. Um, even though I know Japan is not Chinese, but that Asian culture. Um, so definitely visiting either Japan or China. And then the third one would be, huh? The third one, what would be the third one? Bucket list. We can leave it at two if, if you don't can't think of a third immediate one, but yeah, we can leave it at two. The third one, I'm not really sure. Okay. Something to think about it. All right, Annie, that's all I have. So thank you very much for the conversation. I, I learned a lot, so it was very interesting for me. Thanks, of okay. course, to, to all, all the listeners. And thanks, of course, to also to all your other clients. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, thank you very much and um, talk to you soon. Awesome. This is a great episode. Thank you, Tim. Yeah, let's. What do you always say? Uh, it's, my name is Tim Langer and I'm signing out. There you go. All right, guys. Hey there, Andy Fortuna here, and I hope you enjoyed that episode. I love the opportunity to connect and share information with passionate people just like you, and would love the opportunity to do the same for others. So please take the time right now to leave a five-star review and help spread the word about this podcast. Thank you so much for your support, and see you on the next episode. Hold up.